Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Well, welcome, everybody. I am so excited. Um, I've got Mark Lovett with me, who is the organizer of TEDx San Diego and the co-organizer of TEDx Donovan Correctional. Is that correct? And it's uh, that's a prison TEDx, right? That is a prison on the south uh, region of San Diego. Well, welcome to the show, Mark. I've uh, enjoyed our conversations and glad to actually record one of them. Uh, it's been a pleasure interacting uh, with a fellow TEDx organizer here on the West Coast, and I'm looking forward to today. Well, it's you know we I think we met in person at uh, the summit, and you're you're like a lot of TEDx organizers. Uh, if there's a TEDx within driving distance, we can count on you being there, right? I do. I make every effort. I've I've been to over fifty TED and what. TEDx. 50. Yeah. Well, see, now I talked to Gordon Garb and he's been to 80 and he stopped keeping track. Um, 50, you're, you're like giving him a run for his money. Hey, I'm on his heels. How did you, what's, what, so what's your day job? Uh, so my day, day job is a combination of speaker coaching and business strategy consulting. Got it. And so what, which is perfect as for, a TEDx organizer to have those in your wheelhouse, right? Yeah, it's all about storytelling. Man, I tell you, it is. Um, well, you know that about us, right? So, so we we do that up in our part of the 805 up here, running our storytelling workshops and that kind of stuff. So that's uh, it, and TED is that high stakes storytelling, right? On the Red Circle, it's both high stakes, but also a lot of fun. It is, isn't it? So, when when did you? get the TEDx bug? So I had watched uh, a lot of videos when they started posting those online. Right. And just, just had a general interest in it. But I was consulting for a company and the president of that company came to me one day and said, hey, Ted is starting this new program called TEDx. And he had decided to uh, start TEDx San Diego. So as we, most of us know, the TEDx uh, format came about in 2009, and yep. the first TEDx yep. San Diego was in 2010. So, so when I saw that event, I, I said, wow, this is like the difference between a music video and going to a live concert. Right. I, I hadn't heard that comparison before. Were you, did you work on 2010 or you attended 2010? I just attended 2010. And then in 2012, a friend of mine on the East Coast who had wanted me to come speak at one of his uh, one of his events in the past that were business events, he called me one day and said he was going to put on a TEDx event and would I want to be on stage. So I got to give a TEDx talk in 2012. What TEDx was that? That was TEDx New Bedford. Oh, I love it. What was your um, what was your talk about? We're gonna I'm gonna link to it in the show notes. 
So the topic, if I remember correctly, was something like, uh, will our happiness ultimately destroy the planet? <laughs> and what happens? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's one of the lessons for people out there, that if you can get a catchy title, sometimes it can raise an eyebrow or two. Uh, I, You know, that and email subject lines are, are worthy of a PhD study. I, I know that. So with... With the TEDx license, you you can do one main event a year, depending on the experience. Uh, you know, it's either going to be a hundred or over a hundred, or level two. You can go above that. In addition, you can do a TEDx Youth, TEDx Women, TEDx Live, and TEDx Salons. Have you ventured outside of the one main event? So, yes, uh, I've done TEDx San Diego, obviously. Uh, I've done seven salons. Oh, my gosh. Um, and we did three of those in 20, let me get this right, 2013 and three more in 2014. 2015, we took a break because I had the insanity to uh, do two main events in one year one of which was San Diego and the other one was TEDx Monumento 258. Wow. And that that was the world's first cross-border TEDx. You, now tell me about that. You told me about that up at the TED Summit. Tell our listener about that. So we built a stage in Mexico and a stage in the United States with the only thing separating them being the actual border fence between San Diego and Tijuana. Wow. And we alternated wow. our one in the United States, then a speaker in Mexico, and a speaker in the United States back and forth. And you had audiences on both sides? We had audiences on both sides. Um, it's what I like to call the Wild West of TEDx. I, I, tell me the name again. How do I spell that? It's TEDx Monumento, like monument with an O on the end, right. and then 258. 258. And what's the 258. So there is a monument on the Mexico side of the fence, which is labeled number 258. Ah. And that monument is the first point of demarcation between the United States and Mexico after the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo was signed oh to goodness. end the Mexican-American War. So we partnered with the organizers from TEDx Tijuana, and together we stood around this monument and talked about what had happened in the 167 years since oh the monument gosh. was erected and how these two cultures, even divided by fences and walls and laws and everything else, had still managed to share this rich cultural diversity right, with right. each other. Oh, my gosh. That What a fantastic effort. It was two and a half years in the making. Two and a half years. Now, how, I'm, I'm curious, um, as our listener knows, uh, the veteran listener knows, the novices that are learning the licensing um, piece of this is, you know, nothing starts until you get your license. And how did you, um, how did you propose that? How did you put that up to TEDx headquarters? Well, we wrote out a proposal uh, that described what we wanted to do. The fits and starts of the process was that we actually had a license approved at one point and we couldn't find the bandwidth to put it together. And so we actually dropped the project for a time. Mm. And it was at, uh, oh, this must have been uh, TED Active in 2015 that up in uh, uh, Whistler, 
that I met with Will Davis from right. licensing, right. and we, we revisited that. and the you discussion hammered out a deal. Was, yeah, is this going to happen or not? And right. I had been in touch with my teams on both sides of the border, and everybody said they were ready to go, and Ted gave the green light because this was an experimental type of venue. And uh, we went back and had to revisit Homeland Security and Border protect, Protection Services. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting to put on a TEDx event where you have, you're have you right in the middle of Border Patrol guards right. on, a, on a protected border. Right. So we weren't allowed to have any screens, uh, no slides, no confidence monitor, uh, no awnings, no shade, no umbrellas. We were sitting out in the wind and the sun with people getting up on stage and giving their talk. So, Were you allowed electricity so you could amplify the voices? <laughs> uh, we had a, a sound system on the Mexico side so that we were hearing the sound amplified from Mexico. We did have a challenge with power to run our cameras. And so the, there's no power in the strip of land right on the border. And, but the, this piece of land uh, is right next to a state park. So there was a bathroom in the state park. And the bathroom had power outlets, one each in the men and women. But we were told that these outlets were not available to power outside equipment. They could only be used inside the bathroom. Uh, so a uh, long story short, we had to get, go through a long uh, approval process to finally get the state park to say, you can use the power. We don't know how many amps are available. We don't know if it's going to work. And we have nobody maintenance on site to protect you. Oh, my gosh. So the night before the event, I was at a party rental place put, picking up 800 feet of extension cord. And we ran one cable each from the men's and women's bathrooms. So, and, so I tell people that we were the first TEDx powered by a bathroom. I think that's <laughs> there. There's my, there's my lead uh, audience powered yeah. by a bathroom. Um, one of the questions I like to ask organizers is um, what the biggest challenge was, what the biggest dragon was, and you gave me twelve in there, and you haven't even talked about the prison. But I want to hold that story for a second because I want to go back to. TEDx San Diego, your you know your the the marquee event, and ask what is it that you do to make it uniquely fit the San Diego community. So I, I took on the license uh, myself in uh, 2014, and up until that time, our audience size had been four to five hundred people. We would sell out. There was always a pent-up demand. And I, I thought, I need to increase the size of the event just to satisfy the community because we're in a large city. Right. I was introduced to the folks at Symphony Hall downtown, which is where we moved the event. And when I got down there and I saw that you're kind of enclosed on this city street, I kept thinking, what could we do out on this city street that would enhance the event? And so we um, came up with this idea of creating what we called Innovation Alley. Oh, I love that. So we block off the, the downtown street between 7th and 8th Avenue. We build 20 exhibit booths, and we oh. invite 20 startup companies to come down and show wow. off to our attendees wow. what we're doing. What, so what was your budget that year, the overall budget? Uh, every year it's been down there, it's in excess of a hundred thousand. 
Got it. And who raises all the money? Is that you? That's me. Yeah, got it. Uh, but one of the reasons to move to a larger venue is that we were able to flip that equation. So because AV costs and facility costs can be yep. so significant, yep. Yep. in yep. years past, we had to, to raise a lot more partner money. And I penciled out the numbers and I said, if I can get more seats, I can fund most of it by tickets. By tickets. Right. So, for example, last year we had 1,800 people there and we were about 70% tickets and 30% partner uh, contributions. That's, that's a nice blend, isn't it? Yeah, it's very nice. And that, because yeah. that, get, that gets down to your biggest dragon, which for me is, is a partner contribution. Got it. I have a lot of people who like to do in-kind partnerships. Right. But if you're trying to raise significant sums in that 10, 20K plus, yeah. TEDx's typically don't satisfy the quote-unquote normal ROI that marketing departments are looking for. Right. Right. So you have, to, you have to find partners who really believe in your mission. Yeah, I find that's true, and I think that um, with at least my conversations, the, the mission is easily dis- defined and described, and uh, people get that. And and either they they get it and they understand what you're trying to do, and they understand you're trying to do it for the community at large, or they're just not on board at all. And so I don't even try to convince them. Right? It's not about marketing. This it's almost like charitable giving. Right. Yeah, it's supporting ideas worth spreading. Exactly, period. And, Full stop right there. Right. And and the, one of the reasons that we did Innovation Alley was because, in my mind, this represented ideas worth doing something about. Oh, I, I like that. Ideas worth doing something about. I'm In these interviews, I'm, I'm getting really great quotes, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, that, that, you know, as a veteran, you've, you've had to give this talk many, many times, right? You know that, right? So, yep. so tell me that again, it's ideas worth doing worth something about. So every entrepreneur that's in Innovation Alley had an idea and they had the fortitude, the guts, the bravery, even the craziness to, to go out and make something happen. I, I, so lo- they're, I love they're that. Not on, they're not on stage saying, listen to me. They're holding a prototype in their yeah. hand saying, yeah. look at yeah. this. So it's very tangible. Is there a, a video of Innovation Alley that I can link to in the show notes so people could see that? Did you do any B-roll of that? We did a uh, highlight reel last year. I can send you that link that shows the alley being built. Oh, and shows, lovely. And shows a couple of the interviews and the crowd. Oh. Uh, it's a great oversight as to what we do. So this past year was our third time doing Innovation nice. Alley. And, what a, uh, what we, a great every, idea. So, so you, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just going to say, when you talk about logistics of planning events, I actually have one individual who's solely responsible for Innovation Alley. Yeah, I bet. Because she has to go through the permitting process, arrange right. for security, work with the police, the fire department, put up barricades. Yep. We're actually out on the street at four o'clock in the morning watching this thing happen. Of course you are. You know. And the city is a partner, I'm guessing. Uh, to date, the city has not been a financial partner. They've been a very supportive partner. Uh, this is the first year we actually applied for a grant from the city that uh, they have a special uh, category that supports right. cultural and right. arts activities. Right, 
Right. So this was the first time we went through that. Uh, we've submitted all the paperwork. Now we're on pins and needles waiting to see if that comes through. You know, I, I w- I'll put this out to you and, and to our listener. Um, we live. You live in a beautiful town. We live in a beautiful town in Santa Barbara. And I went and have partnered with the Convention and Visitor Bureau, which is um, they now call themselves a destination marketing organization. Their job is is tourism, bringing people uh, to town. And and you have such a thing in San Diego. And we've we've been thinking that we want to couch part of our audience as uh, this being a destination TEDx. So come to Santa Barbara. It's on a weekend. Come in on a Friday. Enjoy Santa Barbara on on Saturday and Sunday, and go home. And then we get the you know the visitor bureau on our side in terms of promoting us out there, so that Santa Barbara becomes known as you know it's we have Fiesta, we have the film festival, and we have a TEDx. Right. So that that has worked. One of the things that uh, I, I like to find out uh, from these conversations is of the. Of all the things that you could do, curating, producing, organizing, marketing, partnering, which one do you think you've got a superpower in? Well, coming from the city that hosts Comic-Con, I guess I should have a superpower, shouldn't I? (laughs) Um, We'll give you one right now, okay? I, I would say that one thing that has been with me my entire life, going back to all my, you know, business career, uh, was team building. And I'm very blessed to have a core group of people around me that no matter how insane I get and ask them to do things, they just nod their head and it happens. Would from it surprise a, you to, to hear that that's what I'm hearing from most organizers, that that's their superpower? Well, I tell you, it's critical. And I get a lot of people come to me and ask, what does it take to put on a TEDx? Can you give me advice? And in that respect, I tell them two things. Number one is build a great team. Got it. And num- number two is a lesson I learned in business long ago, which is simply do the math. What does that mean? Do the math means every action you take, you should reflect that back on the budget. Oh, give me an example. So, um, and so I'm kind of down, you talked about most important lesson. You know, when it came to... TEDx San Diego and relates to the budget, I, I take the approach of good, better, best. Okay. And so I want everything to work out well and to be, to be wonderful. And I say, what does that cost? What's this? To me, that's the bare minimum it takes to put on the event. So what, so the, the question then is what does wonderful cost? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And, and if you have more money, then what's more than wonderful or what's better? So maybe you can uh, add more decoration to your building. Maybe you can print a better program. Maybe you can serve better food. There's all these different things you could do if you had the money. And then best is sort of what would you do with unlimited funds? And even though we never have that luxury, it's surprising that some things come to mind. And it might be I would fly this scientist from Zurich over to be in in my show. And I've, I've seen other events where they get a, a partner who specifically funds travel. Nice. That's and, a great idea. Yeah, I was at TEDx Berkeley a couple of years ago and was told that a foundation had provided those funds and they were able to bring a speaker from India and a speaker from Africa. Wow, I, I love that. 
see again uh listener this is valuable information here that's why we do this show is to get these little nuggets what was the biggest surprise i mean the 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 monumento 258 that was surprise central but um what let's just from the point of being a tedx organizer you've done a ton of shows i mean you've done a lot of shows what's what continues to surprise you or what's the the happy surprise I would have two surprises, one internal, one external. And by internal, I mean based on my team. And that is the dedication of those people who I keep you know, close around me. So when I said, we're going to move to Symphony Hall, they said, yep, we're on board. And when I said, are you willing to go down to the border and do this crazy event? They said, we're on board. And we're going to get to this a little later, but I said, when you, I recently asked them, can you help me with a TEDx inside prison? And they said, just tell me the date. I love that. So, what was the second surprise? You said, I guess it's going to be an external one. Yeah, the external is really the effect that TEDx events can have on the audience. And I'll meet people randomly out in society and they find out that I organized TEDx San Diego. And their eyes will get really big and they will start quoting a line from one of oh the my talks. And it's like, oh my goodness, this person changed I just my got goosebumps me. just now. I love that. And you don't see that as much. I mean, if it, I'm, I'm one of those organizers. I'm not the MC. I have somebody else do that. Yep. Yep. I'm backstage 90% of the time. I'm in the weeds. I'm just watching. Yeah. So I hear I hear the audience, but I'm not out there. So after the show, when I get to hear people come to me, and tell me how amazing my team was, the venue, the speakers, the music. Uh, we try to do really fun musical things, too. And so when somebody notices, that's uh, that's always reassuring. Give me, give me your fun. favorite fun musical thing. Well, I'll give you a bookends that we did last year. I have a passion for swing music. Okay. And it turned out a friend of mine plays in a swing band. So we opened our show with a 17-piece swing band on I, stage. I love it. <laughs> and we, we closed the show with a troupe of hip-hop dancers from oh. Culture Shock. Oh, man. I See, you know, what's interesting, I think, uh, for people who watch TED videos, you don't see the entertainment that happens on the main stage because that's not recorded and produced out. Yet the E in TED is for entertainment, and it's a big part of the live event, which is you, you tend to miss um, – if you're just watching videos, which is another reason you want to go to a TEDx because organizers are going out of their way to do interesting things like that. I love that. Right. So two years ago, I was introduced to the CEO of the San Diego Youth Symphony. Oh. I, I loved his story. I asked him to be a speaker. Yeah. And he kind of casually said, you know, if you need some entertainment, I've got huh. my, my students here. And you so lit up. So that year we closed the show with oh. a four, with a 40-piece chamber orchestra. Wow. And all of the videos I just mentioned are online. We videoed those and posted those. So. And I'm, I'm going to have links to all of that. I, yeah. I'd like to – I got to hear about Donovan Correctional. Um, the first time I heard about TEDx in a prison was in Vancouver. There was – it was like the first one. I don't remember where it was. And they did a live remote during lunchtime where Tedsters could go sit and talk to the organizers in prison. It was all prison, you know, inmates that were doing it. 
And right. now since then, there's there's quite a few. Why don't you tell us about that that movement and then specifically what you did at Donovan? So the very first TEDx in a prison was TEDx uh, Marion Correctional yep. Yep. in Marion, yep. Ohio. I was at TED Active, uh, I guess this was 2013, and I met Jordan Edelheit, who was the organizer. Right, right. Yes. She, yes. Uh, I gave her a ride back to San Diego. She told me the whole story. I said, you're crazy. I will never do a TEDx in a prison. Fast yes. forward five years, and <laughs> I crossed paths with somebody who I knew through TEDx. That's kind of a long story, but we kind of got back together. Turned out she had started volunteering inside Donovan Correctional Facility. And she knew me through TEDx, so we got into this discussion about could we do one here. And we set up a meeting and went down to talk to the, uh, what's he called, the community resource manager and or community relationship manager is probably his title. Right. And they were on board with the idea. And so Just like re- that, you didn't have to cajole and do any of that? No. In fact, he was so enthusiastic about it, he wow. brought in three of the prison psychologists, and, huh. and we all formed a team to make this happen. I love that. Now, the fun thing was that I reached out to Jordan via email and said, Jordan, remember that time I said I would be mm. crazy if I ever did this? Well, I'm crazy. <laughs> So she connected connected me with Jody Davis, who's the current organizer at Marion. And uh, Jody sent us an email that says, you know what, our event this year, which was their fifth event, and when I say this year, I actually mean 2016, uh, is being held between Christmas and New Year's. So the organizer of Donovan and myself hopped on a plane and flew to Columbus, Ohio, and drove to Marion. So I got to tell people when they say, how did you spend your holidays? I said, I spent the holidays in prison. Of course, when I said that on a plane one day, that didn't get a funny reaction, but that's another story. So we got to see the rehearsal day that was yeah. completely produced by inmates and yeah. then stay for the event itself. Uh, very impactful, like nothing I had ever seen before at any of the other 50 TEDx events. And, and in what way? How was it different? I mean, there's some obvious differences, but I, but there are probably some surprises there. I think the common thread, both at Marion and what we're finding here at Donovan, is that there are a lot of men, and these are both men's facilities, a lot of men who have been in these facilities for 10, 20, even 30 plus years. They made a huge mistake when they were 18 or 19 years old. Some of them will never get out of prison because of the nature of that mistake. And in the decades since, they have truly become different people. And so when you go to a normal TEDx event, everybody's kind of living their life in the moment and every moment led up to that. And they, you know, they're always got these dreams and aspirations. Very different to talk to people whose adulthood was cut short. Hmm by a decision they made, usually just a snap snap judgment. Right. But yet they've come to some very profound realizations about who they are, what they've done, how they can become a better person. Uh, It's a very different narrative than what you get out on the outside. So I'm, I'm learning a lot of lessons from these inmates, hearing their stories and talking to them. Are, is there any restriction on videotaping those TED Talks and putting them up? 
Uh, it's the same process. You record the videos and you upload them to TED. So they obviously review every video that gets produced before they publish it on the TEDx YouTube channel. Right, exactly. So, so if there's something wrong, then they wouldn't publish that, that video. Uh, we are coaching our speakers, uh, half of which are inmates and half of which come from the outside world, that they're really supposed to be focused on that idea we're spreading about yep. giving, giving a gift to the audience. How can you enlighten somebody? How can you change their perspective? Right. How can you make them think of life a little bit differently? So it's not about the events so much as the process and the learning and what they want to share. So this, this is not an event where we get into details, you might say. I, I, was, I was wondering, are there weird um, media release um, cons confined, constraints, I guess is the right word, um, you know, you've got these prisoners on camera, and is that a problem for them? Well, we have them sign the same speaker release form okay. that okay. everybody so, else signs. Right. Um, we tell everyone who's attending, and this is another difference between a regular TEDx, is that everyone who wants to attend, we're going to have, you know, people from the outside come in. They all have to get clearance from the prison. Right. So they have to submit their vital information in order to be cleared, in order to be allowed in. And we tell them that there will be photographs and video being taken and that they, by, by way of purchasing a ticket, uh, agree to the fact that these videos and their images may show up somewhere. And how is this TEDx funded? This will be completely funded by ticket sales. Got it. Even though we're limited to 100 tickets. Right. Be okay, got it. Because I'm the co-organizer on this. Right. Uh, obviously, the facility is being provided free of charge. Right. Uh, so we really have two core expenses, and that's audiovisual and then also hospitality because right. we have to feed everybody lunch. So right. that's, we're working on that very, very tight budget to make this happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no kidding. Well, that that you know, as as we come to the end of our time here, I mean, again, we again, I warned at the beginning we could talk for hours, and and I my audience knows I'm pretty good at thirty ish minutes. To be able to produce one of these events at the caliber that we are, you know, we strive for, right? To make what does wonderful cost. Uh, there's there's that challenge with the budget and how much money we have and and I I love your I think it's your business background that that brings that budget part to it. What you know the show's called Hacking the Red Circle, so I like to end the show with like your best hack. Like what's that the best hack you have that you want to we want to pass along to other organizers? Not sure if this qualifies as a hack, but one of the pieces of advice I always give out is number one, get everything you can for free. Okay. Number how, two, how do you do that? How do you, but how do you do that? Cause that, I love that idea, but what, is there a way of asking for it? What, cause that, that hack might be in there. Well, to me, it's reaching out to your network and knowing what your resources are. Okay. So for example, I have no choice, but to pay the San Diego symphony for the use of their hall. But I've talked to other organizers who have warehouses donated to them. Uh -huh. I also have to pay for audio video. In fact, we hire KPBS to shoot and edit our video. 
but I know somebody who has a cousin with a video service and they said, Hey, we'll come in and do it for pizza and beer. Right. Now on the other side of the coin, we have a partner who will print all of our programs for us. Mm -hmm. Whereas mm -hmm. other organizations pay $10,000 to get their programs printed. So find your resources and within yourself and within your team to see what can I get donated? whether that's food, whether that's printing, whether that's AV, everything, really pay attention to that. Step number two is if you can't get it for free, do everything in your power to, give it, to get it at wholesale. Because there are people, like especially printers, who will say, you know what, I can't afford to give this away, but I'll sell it to you at my cost. Right, right. Which right. in some cases can be half retail. I, I love that. My... Uh... My challenge is, as we know, the big expenses, venue, AV, and food. And I was, uh, my last event was at a, a theater right downtown. And I was like, I can't afford to feed all these people. And I don't, there isn't even one place where I could put everybody together, but we're right downtown. There's restaurants everywhere. So one of the marketing team came up with the idea of uh, partnering with the local restaurants and they could show their badge and they would get a discount. And then I'm, I love branding. So we called that the tastes of Ted and yep. that we did a taste of Ted. We did a map and we made a big deal about it. And, and then we invited uh, craft uh, entrepreneurs who do craft foods uh, you know, to do kombucha and do the muffins and do, and, and then have a little booth, right? So it's kind of yep. like your, uh, your, your alley, uh, the innovation alley, but with, uh, food vendors <laughs> who really wanted to be in front of people. And it worked out. It was a great hack. Mark, this has been a fantastic conversation. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, now, are you going to go to Ted Fest? Are we going to see you there? I will be at Ted Fest. Great. Cause we're going to launch the show there at Ted Fest and, I'm hoping to, uh, with 500 other TEDx organizers, <laughs> I got a feeling I'm going to book a hundred different, a hundred new shows. There's at least a thousand conversations to be had. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for everything you're doing on behalf of the the TEDx community. I know we know how much work it is to do what you do, and just thank you for all of that and the commitment and the time, the energy and the and and your great advice you've given us. It was a pleasure to be on your show and hope I've uh, given a pearl of wisdom to a few people out there. You've gotten enough pearls we can make a necklace, buddy. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.